0: Hello, friends. My name is Joe Bettner, and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. On today's episode, we are talking with Carlos Silva Jr., who is the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We'll be talking with him a little bit later in the program to talk about, obviously, the OU-Texas Tech matchup and just a pretty wild week uh, in Lubbock with Matt Wells uh, being fired on Monday. So we will get to that in a bit. Uh, but before we do that, OU is coming off of a 35-23 win over Kansas, and win almost just feels a little too generous just based on how that game went. But I don't think anyone uh, really saw Kansas giving the Sooners a game, uh, let alone keeping it to 12 points, covering a 38 and half point spread, outgaining Oklahoma on the field. They had 412 total yards, OU had 398. Uh, granted, I mean, Oklahoma's offense really just did not have uh, much of an opportunity to get going. They obviously had uh, a few possessions um, in in the first half, uh, but only one time had the ball in the first quarter and then twice in the second and then Oklahoma's offense came alive in the second half and you saw the talent discrepancy when when Oklahoma it kind of seemed like they they either woke up the light bulb came on whatever you know phrase you want to use Oklahoma came alive in this game and a lot of that had to do with Caleb Williams who was not perfect by any means and there's Plenty of discourse about uh, just you know some of the freshman mistakes he's made. I wrote about it, just in terms of uh, that that mistake he made with the interception where he he's going for the deep ball and you like the the risks that Caleb Williams takes because I think that they are a lot more measured than what Spencer Rattler. Uh, would do when he would when he would try to throw downfield, uh, but got picked off and had a wide open Kennedy Brooks in his vision and just decided to kind of you know go for the deep shot and it's honestly hard to blame him. I mean this is Kansas we're talking about and you would think you know Oklahoma's athletes are going to win those battles, and Caleb Williams makes a freshman mistake, but uh, gets out of it and obviously responds in a big way, just how he came alive and was kind of the heart and soul of that offense in the second half, and he finishes 15 of 20 for 178, two touchdowns, one pick, Uh, so not the best of days for Caleb Williams, but not the worst, Uh, just a really weird game in terms of not being able to get the guys that he typically can get involved. And, you know, Jaden Hazelwood had a touchdown. Jeremiah Hall uh, caught, caught one of his uh, passing touchdowns as well. But, I mean, Marvin Mims, uh, one target for one catch, 14 yards. Uh, just not not your typical day. in Oklahoma was missing, uh, you know, two pretty productive receivers on Saturday. They were without Mario Williams and Mike Woods. But this is Kansas, and (laughs) Oklahoma's uh, as deep as they are a receiver. I mean, Jane Hazelwood, Drake Stoops, um, Marvin Mims, obviously healthy. Jalil Farouk got uh, reception in this game. Um, But a a tough day just in terms of of the OU passing game not being able to quite get going uh, the way that they had um, under Caleb Williams the week before, and obviously in the second half against Texas. And then a little bit of a rough day rushing the ball. I mean, Kennedy Brooks, seventy nine yards on twenty four carries, uh, doesn't average out the best. But I mean, it's hard to fault that guy for how much he has been um, just a workhorse this past month, and his really his ascent has been since the start of this month when Oklahoma played Kansas State in Manhattan. It's been a long, a been a long road uh, to here, but you know, Kennedy Brooks has been the go-to running back uh, for this offense and has found a lot of success. Um, against Texas he obviously goes for over 200 against TCU uh, goes for more than 100 as well Um, but this was just kind of it felt like a a game where I think it's he probably if if any player deserves a bit of a pass uh, it's probably Kennedy Brooks he's just been so reliable uh, for this football team and you know Oklahoma's offense uh, don't know where they would be without a guy like Kennedy Brooks who has been that catalyst at times. But just not a not. I'm not going to be overly critical of uh, of his kind of day. And obviously, it was a. I I think that the offensive line really just had a big letdown game after having one of their better performances against TCU the week before. And so, um, a a strange day for Oklahoma's offense, which once again it, it got going in the second half. And you can kind of look at what Oklahoma was able to do. Um, just by looking at the you know the quarter by quarter breakdown, I mean, um, Oklahoma just when they when they needed it, they got it. I mean in the the first and second quarter, uh, Kansas, I mean Kansas give them credit for following the blueprint that is there for them. I mean, Kansas State, West Virginia, Nebraska, all those teams very much were uh, in hopes of controlling clock and keeping Oklahoma's offense off the field. Really, just an admirable effort from Kansas. Who I, I spoke with Andy Mitz of the Rock Chalk Podcast last week on the on, on this podcast, and he mentioned Devin Neal being a guy that could be a problem, and he was. I mean, 100 yards, 20, uh, 23 carries, had two touchdowns, had that long of 44, and just was uh, he looked really good, and that's kind of been, you know, not the Biggest concern for Oklahoma, I, I definitely think that the passing defense has been more of the the, the, the issue. But you know, Oklahoma's you know they struggled uh, against Deuce Vaughn. They struggled against uh, you know Bijan Robinson. Uh, Kendre Miller from TCU had some had some really good uh, runs uh, against Oklahoma um, when TCU was in town uh, you know a few weeks ago. But uh, Devin Neal uh, true freshman and you know that that may or may not be the last time that Oklahoma him. but I mean Kansas you know they're, they're they they do not recruit obviously to the level of Oklahoma and that's why I think they you know ultimately lost this game just they could only hold on for so long but you know they've they figured something out and Jason bean uh, their quarterback who 246 passing yards one touchdown no picks uh thought eventually, Thought eventually that Oklahoma's defensive front could figure out a way to get to Jason Bean, force him to make mistakes, and thought that was really going to come to fruition when Jalen Redmond was going through pregame warmups. But as Lincoln Riley mentioned on Tuesday, was more of a uh, just in case, just you know, kind of uh, an emergency for you know if Oklahoma needed the body. And Jalen Redmond seems like he will play against Texas Tech this week, which. Could not come at a better time. Now, obviously, he doesn't play defensive back. And uh, if DeLair and Turner yell, you know, Jeremiah Cradell, DJ Graham, if one or two of those players gets back, then it it's obviously you, you have to feel a little bit better about what Oklahoma can do against a Texas Tech team that ranks second in passing offense in the Big 12. And that's only second to Oklahoma. But a guy like Jalen Redmond would make a huge difference, just as far as you. I mean, you you saw in the early part of the schedule before he got hurt in in that Nebraska game. I mean, he is super important to what Oklahoma wants to do, and uh, for him to be unavailable, it's it's a bummer. First off, just because he was one of those guys that uh, has had some injury issues in the past, but he also sat out last year. So you've just been kind of waiting waiting for Jalen Redmond, that that guy that has flashed. Time and time again for Oklahoma to to be that guy, and hasn't had the chance really to do so. And when Oklahoma eventually, you know, presumably they get him back this week, that would be huge. Just to you know not have to play Isaiah Thomas out of position, and getting him inside is is going to be critical because he he's a guy that can create a lot of havoc. And Oklahoma needs a guy like that who can put pressure on a quarterback. And it doesn't make it really. It's just it's it's baffling how even an Oklahoma team with Perrion Winfrey, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito just only got one sack against Kansas, and that sack came with 20 seconds left in the fourth uh, in the fourth quarter. I mean, just it, it's it's a huge problem for Oklahoma right now if they cannot figure that out and it's just I mean obviously it does not make up for the fact that Oklahoma's DBs just keep getting torched and torched and missing tackles uh, the one guy from Oklahoma secondary that I think probably has to feel good coming out of the weekend is Key Lawrence and pretty amazing what has happened with him just as far as a guy that's been able to stick in the game and you know I don't want to discredit i guess really the the rotations for Oklahoma cuz i think that the the substitution method that Alex Grinch does it's it's worked i mean against Texas if if he doesn't keep guys fresh I'm, i mean OU's probably looking as lethargic and as vulnerable as Texas did in that second half but there's something to the fact that DeLaron Turner yell has been out and there's just not been as many guys at that safety position to step in. Key Lawrence has been able to take advantage of those reps and he's, you know, he's a really young guy. That's the thing. He's not, he's not, it's not a situation where Oklahoma was getting a veteran player that could immediately step in. And, uh, I think, you know, be, uh, have that, have that presence, but that upperclassman presence, but he has gotten better as the weeks have gone along. I mean, he did a little bit of everything for Oklahoma. I mean, he led the, he led the defense and tackles. Um, he finished the day with eight, seven solo tackles. Uh, led the team and tackles for loss with two and then had the, um, had the forced fumble uh, that was picked up by Justin Broyles. So of the defensive players, I mean, and I would probably throw in Brian Osamoa in there as well, but I just don't know how anyone from that defense could, could feel great. And it, you know, makes a lot of sense when Alex Grinch is coming out on Tuesday and, you know, just saying, just, uh, I guess, you know, kind of validating that disappointment that plenty of, I think people watching that game could see it just, it's, it was, it's part of me is just like, it almost feels like it's lost a little bit because I mean, this is a Kansas team that it's not been that far removed from when Oklahoma it struggled mightily against Kansas in 2018 when they won, ended up winning 55 to 40 but a similar type game where Oklahoma could just not stop Puka Williams. Now, I don't know if Devin Neal is Puka Williams' talent or uh, what he his, his ceiling eventually will be, but, I mean, this is not new, but that's the kind of the scary part is that Oklahoma has been here before and has looked as vulnerable um, defensively um, under Mike Stoops as now they're in the Alex Grinch era. And I think that things get better as Oklahoma gets healthier, but I don't know how much better. I mean, you're going up against a really good uh, kind of bookend to your schedule with Texas Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. And to make matters worse, if Oklahoma, you know, they're 8-0, number four in the country, have all of their goals in front of them. Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, if you get through that and you qualify for the Big 12 championship game, those are one of the three teams you're going to face. So you're going to have to you're, you're really going to have to improve quickly in Oklahoma for, you know, what they have going. They at least have a bye week uh, to finally rest and reset. And that's, I mean, that's kind of been, I think, part of the equation too. I don't know how much that kind of just that physical mental drain of, uh, you know, nine consecutive games, you know, can put on a team. But it would seem like it's it's got to help that Oklahoma – Gets a break uh, before the toughest part of their schedule. I think Texas Tech is a is going to be a quality opponent. Now, obviously, they are without Matt Wells, who uh, has been the head coach of Texas Tech since 2019 after Cliff Kingsbury was uh, fired and was somehow stumbled into the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job and might win a Super Bowl. Very strange. But Matt Wells gets two and a half seasons in Lubbock before he is let go. And I will talk a little bit more about this with Carlos. Just it seemed like Texas Tech, even though it wasn't, you know, the best of football, they'd lose to Kansas State last weekend, but they were five and three. It's not, it's it's not like they were just really falling on super hard times as far as like being like a, you know, one and six. I mean, matters could have been a lot worse for Texas Tech, Uh, but Matt Wells let go. And, you know, just obviously the. Texas Tech made their decision and I would assume that they're trying to at least maybe uh, get someone in place, at least a verbal confirmation if they can find a head coach at this point uh, to maybe try to salvage the early signing day period because you have plenty of time uh, to get uh, someone and just kind of a matter of who. But Don Williams of the Avalanche Journal Record who uh, works with Carlos actually uh, reported that Jeff Trailer from Texas San Antonio And Sonny Dykes of SMU would be two candidates, um, Art and Kendall Bryles. Uh, Kendall Bryles being the Office of Coordinator for Arkansas and Art Bryles, who is not working right now. And, you know, I think there would be a lot of uproar if Texas Tech were to go that route. But those are the four candidates that he reported that uh, people close to the situation think uh, Texas Tech will realistically target in their coaching search but that is a conversation to have with carlos and i think that's probably a good stopping point just Wanted to wrap up some final thoughts on the Kansas game. Uh, Before we get to that interview, I do want to uh, thank all of you that have subscribed, uh, not only to the podcast, but to the newsletter, eyesonoklahoma.com. And if you're not already signed up, eyesonoklahoma.com is where you can go and uh, get uh, all of the newsletters sent to your email. You just click uh, the button in the middle of the screen and put in your email, and then you get emails sent to you about Oklahoma football, uh, pretty much daily, if you if you get the paid subscription, and then there's uh, three a week for the free version, which still a lot of content there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and obviously with the podcast now, uh, appreciate all of you that have subscribed, um, eyes in Oklahoma. If you're not aware, it is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you're using the Apple podcast app would greatly appreciate you leaving a five star rating and review. It helps get the word out about the show. So with that said, let's, uh, let's talk to Carlos. Let's talk about Texas tech joining us now on the program, uh, Carlos Silva, junior sports editor for the Lubbock avalanche journal. Carlos, how are you doing, sir?
1: Doing fine, man. Uh, just a normal, normal week in the old Texas, uh, Texas sun in Lubbock, uh, you know, just going to play number four, Oklahoma, nothing, nothing else going on throughout the week. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I think a shocking development from at least my point of view, I don't know if you thought, uh, the five and three Red Raiders were ready to get rid of their head coach after a loss to Kansas State, but Matt Wells out in Lubbock, and we'll start there just because that's obviously the biggest story in the conference right now. Uh, sure. Was this a shock for I think Texas Tech? Just was did this feel inevitable though?
1: I think it was inevitable, and I certainly think this was a year that you knew Matt Wells' performance was going to get looked at scrutinized, but I mean, this is what happens every year for every coach. But I think when you know that Kirby hope had a press conference to essentially say Matt Wells is coming back, Matt Wells got rid of fired. The uh, offensive coordinator, David Yost replaced him with Sonny Cumbie, who now is the interim head football coach going into this game against uh, the Oklahoma Sooners who are ranked number four this Saturday, I think Going into this season, there were a lot of positives that did not also occur. Everyone thought that the defense was going to be the heart of this program, which it certainly was in the first three games against the Houston. But you had to make a comeback in that one. Stephen F. Austin, you had to make a fourth down stop to get over that one. You needed a pick six against uh, Florida International to get over the hump and create a little bit of separation, but that one was closed. And then all of a sudden, once you start conference, you give up 70 against Texas. You look like essentially you can't stop the run. Then all of a sudden you stop the run and get a big win against West Virginia. Then you turn around. And I think this is the one that really kind of stuck in the craw of Kirby uh, Hoka, the athletic director at Texas Tech. But the fact that they just couldn't get wins at home, and not only that, but then in a big home game where could have made a statement just as a program, Matt Wells getting a win over TCU at home throwback game, kind of all those things. And you essentially show the fans in the second quarter, this is not a game anymore. And Zach Evans runs for a hundred plus yards, doesn't even play in the second half due to injury, but didn't really matter because his backup comes in and he averages about 15 yards a carry. And then of course you, you kind of play the next game. And then it, 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 I, I guess just to kind of categorize it and make a long story, which I was kind of bumbling a little bit short. It's just, inconsistent play from Texas tech has been one of the things that at least seems like a trend with Matt Wells. And I think, uh, I know it was probably a shock to him as Kirby said that he was let go with the five and three record. But I think when you look at the overall scope of what he had to deal with, certainly you can mention the fact that COVID made it an interesting year for him in his second year. But I think now with the transfer portal as coach Matt Wells is characterized at the free agent the free agency, if you will, you can find players that are ready to plug up holes rather than have to, you know, get the usual four to five years, you know, as a coach to develop some of these high school kids, you can get some of these guys and Matt Wells to his credit did this. I mean, you look at Tyler Shuck, even though he's injured, Marquise Waters who's injured and out for the year. Reggie Pearson from Wisconsin, he was injured, but you look at some guys that have made some impacts. Colin Schooler obviously made the biggest play last year against Baylor has played well, at least for right now, and you've shored up some things on defense. But I think that the one thing to make, again, the long story short, is that there was just inconsistent play. And that starts with not winning the line of scrimmage. Uh, That happened against Texas, that happened against TCU. Uh, They were able to win it against West Virginia to get that win in Morgantown. But I think that was the other thing, is they couldn't win the line of scrimmage last weekend against Kansas State. TJ Starman got blown up maybe. Needed some help from the guard. I'm not sure how that play was supposed to develop, but it's a difficult call. And that safety, those two points ended up being the difference in a 25 to 24 loss where you were up by two scores, 14-0, and then 24 to 10 at halftime, and you weren't able to close out against a really hurt Wildcats team. So, yeah, I guess just to to kind of make a long story short again, I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but it's just – I think from a insight, not an insider's perspective, but I guess from a local perspective, watching this team the last three years, you kind of knew this was a big year for Matt Wells. Like, I believe he knows this. I believe people knew if the Kansas State game was a loss, that something could happen because not only necessarily the way that they lost, but I think just the way it encapsulated Matt Wells and just coming in for big games to where you can make a statement and you know get Bo eligible, which clearly they have a chance starting this weekend against Oklahoma, but it's going to be really difficult because you've got four ranked teams ahead of you.
0: I was going to say, if there was a game for Matt Wells to almost save his tenure, I felt like to an extent that this was the game, just how bad Oklahoma has looked, and they've obviously been winning, but defensively has been horrible defending the pass. And that's been Texas Tech. They rank second in the Big 12 behind OU in passing offense. And just kind of the way that, you know, a guy like Max Duggan, who's not a prolific passer, Skylar Thompson, not a prolific passer, the way they a- have been able this month in particular to carve up OU's defense. I thought, okay, well, Texas Tech might, you know, they might put up 56, but OU might put up 85. You just don't know what's going to happen. But I uh, thought that this would be big opportunity for texas tech to you know if if i guess i say all this just i am not and i'm still not really ruling out a texas tech upset norman on saturday uh because i think they're definitely capable just from a you know what do they have to lose standpoint um secondary is still just really bad um but just strange at the timing with matt wells and i wonder if kirby hoka is just like you know we we need to make sure that we have a guy in place for the early signing period, or at least a guy that we can say is going to be that guy. Uh, but Sonny Comby, um, he, him coming in, do you just expect Texas tech to, you know, throw the ball 90 times for the rest of the season? Or what do you think this kind of the outlook looks like? Because as you mentioned, it's, it's a five and three team, a very flawed team and has had to kind of skate by which Oklahoma fans uh people who have followed OU can very much relate to just cuz that's how OU season has kind of went but what is the trajectory at this point of Texas Tech is this season salvageable sal- at all
1: i mean Sonny Cumbie spoke about it today with the mid- media availability that he had on tuesday and i think it rings true they're trying to get that fifth game for these for these players cuz i think that's what it's all about right now is and the other thing that he mentioned was this is a five a potential five game resume for a lot of these players if they want to transfer, a lot of these coaches if they're trying to find a, a new job because I think everyone kind of looks at the head coach and they're like, oh, he's going to get this big bio, but people forget their assistants, graduate assistants that have their lives kind of changed with this type of decision. So it's it, it's a tough one, absolutely. But I to not necessarily totally disagree with you, but Again, watching Texas Tech, if they're not able to win the line of scrimmage on the offensive and defensive line, I really do believe this could be a, a tough one for the Red Raiders. Yeah, I know, like you said, the, the defensive uh, defensive backs haven't played too well for the Sooners, but the thing is, is Texas Tech hasn't really thrown the ball deep that much with Henry Columbia. Um, Tyler Shuck was more the guy, that's why they brought him in. He, not only had the legs but he could throw the deep ball not only that but it was a pretty accurate deep ball so they've missed that since he's been out he could potentially be back sonny did mention that in the press conference uh to not rule that out for the fall but again up until now or at least going into this game you're gonna have henry columbi starting donovan mm-hmm. smith will be his backup he's been a guy that's got some dual threat ability can also throw Shoney can throw against kansas of course you want to do it in a controlled setting. So if there's a game that you want to do it in, it's against Kansas, just kind of like I was talking with someone also from Oklahoma who asked, I guess, what's the outsider's perspective of the Sooners after struggling against Kansas. I mean, you got a freshman quarterback. If there's a game you want him to struggle in it's against Kansas. So he can kind of, you know, get the learning lessons. You're not going to, you know, be in a high pressure situation, which they certainly were for a little bit, but he made big plays and he kind of won that game for the sooner. So I think that's the one thing is you didn't lose the game. So I think that's the most important part. And um, yeah, just uh, I I don't know if they're necessarily going to pass it more. I think they've kind of done what they needed to do. I think the biggest thing that Sonny had mentioned during his press conference is he just had to call a better game because the other thing that people forget is, yeah, Sonny's known for the air raid, but he's coming off a game where in the second half his offense was shut out. And I think that's something that's he he's going to hopefully take take a little to heart going into this contest, whether or not that means that he's gonna throw a lot of deep balls or call for a lot of deep balls. I don't know. I think the biggest thing they can do is try and establish the the run and make sure that the sooner offense isn't out there, because as you said, they, they're they more than happily or can easily score against the Texas Tech Red Raiders defense right now, at least the way it's been playing. If it plays a little bit better, maybe they'll hold them, hold them down a little bit, but I, I could certainly see this being a shootout but probably not in
0: favor of the Red Raiders. I was going to say probably just more pessimism from the OU side of things, just because it's, I don't think it's been to the standard. And it's funny, I, you know, talking last week with the, with the Kansas Jayhawk uh, media member, or beat writer, um, it really does kind of resonate just like, man, Oklahoma fans. Uh, Cause and it, I, you know, y- your timeline is probably looks a lot different than my timeline, I see a lot of OU fans just kind of frustrated and I think they're right. They're very right to be frustrated, but at the end of the day, I was just like, man, listening to you talk and then listening last week before the Kansas game, I was like, there are some teams with some real issues in the big 12. It feels like no one's really happy, even though, I mean, once again, before that game, Texas tech was five and two, um, but just one, it just not uh, when it's time, it's time. And you, you cut ties with a coach, but I, I'm curious. Uh, your, your colleague, Don Williams reported uh, Art and Kendall Bryles, maybe in the mix, Sonny Dykes, Jeff Traylor. Uh, do you imagine a, a decision or is it too early to say whether or not a decision's you know, coming in the next few weeks? Or is there a guy that they really, really like that's already being circled that you could p- perhaps share with us?
1: I mean, the, the, the thing I'll tell you is Art Browles is probably not on the table. Why his name keeps popping up, maybe it's because he was a guy that won a lot, but with the current people, much less the, the people that are on the coaching search involved, Art Browse is not going to be in the conversation. Maybe some donors will bring it up, and that's probably the reason when he was asked about it during his press conference, Kirby Hoka just said he didn't want to comment on it because he didn't want uh, to make any divisive you know, comments or that would you know divide the fan base. He wants to unite the fan base right now, and... He also mentioned uh, that he likes coaches of high character. That's the reason he went after Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Wells, great guy. But unfortunately, like every other coach they know, they're based on, they are, excuse me, graded on wins and losses. And Pat just didn't win enough. And that's the whole reason that he is not coaching the Texas Tech football team. And that allows Texas Tech to be proactive to look at uh, some candidates. Uh, Sonny Dykes uh, of SMU, I think. he is certainly someone to look at just because of of course his last name everyone knows he's the son of the well-known head coach spike dykes grew up in lubbock graduated from tech and the most important part that may make people happy because they always mention his name because it was the last time texas tech has been over 500 in the big 12 conference is he was a charter member of the mike leach staff back from 2000 to 2006. Not only that, but then he's got experience, 11 seasons at three schools as a head football coach, and now he's obviously uh, got SMU rolling 7-0, number 19 in the Associated Press top 10, or top 25, pardon me. The other one that I'm hearing a lot, Jeff Trailer, the uh, UTSA or UT San Antonio head coach there, 8-0, ranked 23rd in the AP top 25. Um, he's that up-and-comer type of head coach that, I've been hearing everyone just likes the way that he's been able to recruit the high schools. That's something Kirby had mentioned, is one of the attributes that would like for the new coach to have some inroads with high school football coaches. Good relationship with high school football coaches in Texas. Certainly, Mr. Trailer has that since he was in Gilmer. He was 175 and 26, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he had three state titles and two runner up finishes. Uh, with his uh, hometown Gilmer uh, football team from about 2000 to 2014, if I'm not mistaken, and I think that's uh, really, really a big deal is the fact that he's a really good recruiter and he's shown that he can certainly coach. His UTSA as UTSA is eight and zero and could potentially, you know, maybe finish the year undefeated with the way that they're playing right now. And overall, he's 15 and five at UTSA now. There's other guys. I, I know you mentioned Bryles, Kendall Bryles. I mean, that, that's always thrown out there, but I, I would say the two that ev- that everyone would be focused on right now is Sonny Dykes and uh, Jeff Trailer in terms of the uh, two candidates, leading candidates, if you will, if you want to use that term. But I think those would be the two to, f- to follow for Texas
0: Tech. It is absolutely wild that we're in this year where Texas, San Antonio, and SMU, and obviously play – a lot different competition but have the best records of uh, any of the Texas schools just kind of considering the the preseason expectations i think that people put on a team like texas and tcu and you know uh wouldn't have been surprised if texas tech with just kind of the uh some of the guys that you laid out uh, that they got to transfer in was not going to be shocked if this was a if this was a really good year for for some of those teams but uh, it's been fun, uh, fun to see how that play out and love when, you know, kind of those smaller schools can kind of come up and, uh, and obviously SMU has kind of been there before, but Texas, San Antonio, that's been a fun one to follow. Um,
1: yeah. And, and and people forget about UTEP. They're six and one, not to, you know, diminish yeah. that they're in the same conference as UTSA. That could be a big game coming up in a couple of weeks. So obviously there's, there's a lot of parity in Texas right now, but I think the one thing to kind of bring it back to Texas Tech is that's the reason they're trying to find the right fit this time is because they've been out of this conversation. They haven't been uh, bowl eligible, which is something that UTEP has already achieved. They're 6-1 and one going into this year. Certainly SMU and UTSA have already garnered that. It's just a matter of which bowl they're going to, and that'll be determined by their wins and losses, but I think that's something that Kirby stresses. To be elite, you have to Get to a bowl game you have to rank in the AP top 25 and then all of a sudden you get those you know big wins and I think the one way to do that is you got to play consistent on a week to week basis and I felt listening to him he felt like that's what was lacking with the Texas Tech football team.
0: Surprised that uh, Lincoln Riley's name hasn't come up you know noted Texas Tech grad I might start that conspiracy theory on a message board somewhere Um, I mean, you
1: certainly can if you want, but I I would imagine (laughs) it's pretty happy where he is right now, getting paid pretty well, uh, ranked in the top five, don't really have to restart when you go back to Texas Tech. And not only that, but then you're going to the SEC where you're going to get more uh, competition and obviously more more, uh, national exposure as well. But I think... uh, one cool thing before we really kind of dive deep into anything, I think it's really cool to see the two walk-on quarterbacks are going to be coaching against each other this weekend and Lincoln Riley from Mule high school and uh, Sonny Cumbie from uh, Snyder, Texas. I think that's kind of cool.
0: That, yes. Someone should write about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure, I'm sure in the works I'm sure we'll hear all about it uh, Saturday night on the, uh, well, I guess if you're watching the broadcast, um, yeah, but yeah, we'll um getting more into this game and i think you might have already mentioned just kind of the key for texas tech and that's you know playing better in the trenches but uh does not seem like you're super confident that texas tech can walk into norman and uh pull off a little magic as they have done in in the past given oklahoma a game in norman which has been a tricky thing for a lot of teams but texas tech has done a good job of it i think And, and maybe this is just me aging myself i'm Maybe I'm thinking 2011 is a lot closer than it actually is. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm curious, just what does Texas Tech have to do to make this a football game? Is it as simple as just playing better in the trenches or is there something else at play that that, that needs to happen for them?
1: I think that's actually a really good question. And again, I'm not trying to be as general as I can about it, but I really do believe if they can win the trenches – if you stop Kennedy Brooks, that's going to make Caleb Williams one dimensional. And if you make Caleb Williams one dimensional and you make him throw the football, maybe that helps you a little bit. Uh, the one thing that gives me a little bit of trepidation on that is that the back end of the Texas Tech defense has been hit by injury. Uh, Reggie Pearson, who I alluded to, that was a transfer from Wisconsin, he's been hurt. He came back last game. Adrian Fry is out, likely. He was a cornerback, defensive back for Texas Tech. Uh, Marquise Waters, who, as I mentioned before, he was a guy that was brought from Duke, played well, had a pick six in that FIU game that I alluded to earlier in this podcast, but he is now out for the year. So you're, you're pretty thin back there. So essentially, Keith Patterson has been playing with a lot of different looks than maybe he was expecting with all these other players that they essentially, as I mentioned before, in free agency of the transfer portal. Uh, era you pick these guys because they can do certain things that can allow you to you know have different schemes and maybe that means that maybe you're not playing man-to-man as much or maybe you're playing zone more or maybe you're not playing the way you thought you're going to play and maybe that's why they're not you know lining up quick or maybe they're not able to make some tackles but I think to go to your question again absolutely I think if they can somehow clog up the running lanes. If they're able to slow down Kennedy Brooks and make Caleb Williams one dimensional, I think that'll help because then that means that if they're able to clog up those gaps, it means Caleb Williams isn't going to get free. You're going to keep them in the pocket and maybe you can create some turnovers in that sense because you're either, either that means that you're going to be able to get to Caleb Williams in the backfield or you're going to force a bad throw as he showed against Kansas. And I think that's something that I'm sure Texas Tech has been watching a lot of film on with what happened last weekend in Lawrence. I think that's certainly something to look at um, from an offensive perspective. I don't necessarily think tech needs to throw the ball deep. I think they just need to take advantage of, as you had mentioned before, if the Oklahoma defense is porous in terms of its passing defense, I think you just need to find your inside receivers and see if you can find some small little holes and, the one thing that Texas Tech has right now is playmakers at the wide receiver position. You start with Eric as comma, but I think the inside receivers like McClain Mannix, Dalton Rigdon, Miles Price, who's starting to get more uh, touches with the football. I think those are guys that you could see their names called. And if you're able to do that, I think that's going to be a lot better for Texas tech rather than throwing the deep ball and maybe getting a three and out. And obviously you're going to take your shots, but I think that's the one thing that I've at least seen from Henry Columbia. He's certainly worked on his passing, but I think the one thing that you've seen is the play calls for him have been intermediate passes. Um, they haven't thrown the ball down the field like they have Tyler Shuck. I know that was the whole reason that they brought Sonny Cumbie in was to open up the offense a little bit, throw the deep ball, because that was the complaint of David Yost. It would always be screen passes to left or right, control passes. And again, that could also be a factor of, you know, the players you have. You had Henry Columbia, you had, you know, Alan Bowman who was hurt. So, I mean, it 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 all goes to however, whatever perspective you want to take of it, but the thing is is henry columbia's won games in the big 12 he can certainly do that for you but it is a very difficult place to play when you go to norman especially when you are in an adverse situation where you just lost your coach at the beginning of the week the coaching staff is scrambling to figure out their responsibilities like sunny Cumby, he said he will still be calling the offense but he has some offensive uh assistants that have been moved to on field uh, duties or in the, in the box, so to speak, to kind of do some of those, but I, th- there's just a lot of things that can happen that certainly it's going to be a lot for the players and the coaching staff. So it'll be interesting to see how they play. I would imagine they would play inspired because they want to make sure and let Matt Wells know that they're not going to quit. Um, that's been said a lot on Twitter, but like I said, it's it, the, the way that Texas tech has played has not been consistent, and the way that they lost last week is certainly a difficult thing to take. I know Kirby was very emphatic when he said they are the better team, they should have won that game during his press conference, I know it was frustrating for him, I think it's more frustrating for the players and the coaches because they wanted to win that game, they wanted to be boiled, eligible, they want to get this monkey off their back of, well why aren't you guys playing to your potential, you have all these transfer guys, you have all these great players, but you just haven't been able to turn it into wins. Now, again, to your point, it's weird to say that when you're five and three, but two of those losses were blowouts. And the other one was a game where you should have closed it out, but you weren't able to you know, score at least even a field goal or a safety. The other team did, and that was the difference in a 25 to 24 loss to Kansas State last week, and that's the reason that Matt Wells is not coaching the Texas Tech football team anymore.
0: I want to circle back just real quick because I did want to ask you specifically about Henry Columbia and we 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 got to see him last year uh when Oklahoma went to Lubbock uh just his situation has played out favorably for him to you know be uh you know a guy that's been able to play a lot of football for Texas Tech uh my question to you though is just kind of thinking about that inconsistency and uh kind of what you've seen and honestly talking about how bad the OU pass defenses I feel like I should have prefaced like I don't think Texas Tech necessarily needs to take deep shots I mean Oklahoma's linebackers have been really suspect as far as just like pass coverage and just kind of playing a lot of soft zone Um but I'm I'm curious just is Henry Columbia is that a guy in Oklahoma's faced? I think worse quarterbacks who have looked a lot better against them than they usually show but I mean is that guy is that a guy that you see as a as an upper echelon big 12 quarterback or could you know it, with just kind of maybe the right type of, uh, I don't know. To, I don't know. If development's the right word, but if this guy has a full twelve game slate, it, I mean, is he in that conversation of being in the kind of that top half of like Big Twelve quarterbacks?
1: The best way I could put it is he is a guy that can win you games if you're not asking him to do over what he needs to do. He can make throws when you need to. He's worked on his uh, throwing motion from last year. Worked with a lot of passing gurus to make sure that his throws were better because that was the knock on him last year was he couldn't throw the deep ball he couldn't throw the deep ball accurate and he answered that a couple times this year when he had some great passes down the field to where he couldn't have dropped it in their bread basket any better if he was literally right next to them and dropping the football there or throwing a dart you know down the middle to someone in a third or fourth down situation he's shown that he can do that but I think you have to pick and choose those times with henry columbi and i hate to use the term game manager but essentially he is a guy that can not lose you a game assuming that you do not call a bad a bad pass or he throws it into double coverage like he did last week against kansas state that was a called a mistake on the on the play call so they didn't put that on him but i think that's something that again he can't lose you a game but he certainly Uh, Needs to be kept in a situation where he can make intermediate throws. He can scan the field and he knows when to run and he's got speed to run. And I think that's the one aspect that helps him is that dual threat ability. Um, To your question, I would say he's middle of the pack in terms of quarterbacks. And that's not a knock on him. That's just because there are so many good quarterbacks in the big 12. I mean, you look at Brock Purdy, he hasn't played to his potential either. I mean, you could even make the argument that he's in the mix of middle of the pack quarterbacks. I mean, you look at Spencer Rattler where everyone's talking about his NFL you know, draft status. And now that's in jeopardy after he just got replaced by Caleb Williams. Um, really, if you look at guys like Max Duggan, um, he doesn't really throw the ball too well, but he can run like the Dickens. Um, but again, Henry Columbia has won Texas Tech football games in the Big 12, which is something that they didn't have before to where if you had a backup, you didn't have that experience, you didn't have that moxie, the guy that will try and will you to win games. But I think the one thing that will help Henry Columbia if they're able to get that established as a run game with Sir Roderick Thompson, Todd Brooks, and Xavier White, and I uh, I, I will be, be, beat the horn on that in terms of saying that, is one of the ways that Texas Tech will win. They have to be balanced on offense.
0: If, and this is my last question for you, Carlos. Sure. Say it's Sunday and Texas Tech has beaten Oklahoma. Who's most likely the Texas Tech player that carries Texas Tech to a victory, whether it be a skill player or maybe even defensive player that can make enough plays on defense. I'm curious who would be the guy that you're expecting to, wake up on Sunday morning after a Texas tech win, who is the guy that will get it done for Texas tech?
1: That is a really, really good question. If it's a close game, which I imagine that would be the way that Texas tech would win a game against Oklahoma, where it's an ugly, you know, one point, maybe two point win, kind of like they went against Kansas, where you just muddy the game up, you know, you run, can't really do much. Essentially what happened with Kansas and Oklahoma, I guess is if, if people are trying to get a a gauge of what I'm trying to explain here. And I would say Jonathan Garabay would be a guy that could step up and make a field goal for you in the clutch. He's been everything that Matt Wells expected of a kicker. He doesn't talk special teams, but if there was a point where he would mention a guy that's been doing well, Jonathan Garibay would be the guy. Um, If it's a game, where they run away, which I don't think it could happen, but I think if they win, you know, more than two to three points or not withstanding a game-winning field goal, I would have to say Henry Columbia has to have a game of his life in terms of, like you had mentioned, if the porous Oklahoma passing defense isn't able to get a hold of some of these guys like a Miles Price, a Dalton Rigdon, Eric Esuconma, Loic Fungi, that he's going to have to have about, four to 475 yards of passing, maybe four to five touchdowns. And that'll give you a little bit of separation. That'll certainly make sure that all the offensive drives you have don't end in punts or they don't end in interceptions. I think those could be the two guys I could foresee ensuring that Texas Tech has a good result when they go to Norman and they wake up the next day and they read in the paper that they won.
0: Well, on that note, Carlos, I appreciate you for coming on the podcast. And honestly, man, I do want to also say this. I mean, this might be the last time in a while that OU and Texas Tech play each other, which kind of feels wrong in a lot of ways because they're not, you know, obviously like, I don't think Texas Tech cracks OU's top three of rivals, but this is a team that's been a thorn in the side in the past for Oklahoma. And I'm probably in the minority on this, but I always like the, the Lubbock road trip. Um, so it's going to be tough. If uh, Oklahoma, if this turns out to be Oklahoma's last year in the sec, I'll be pretty disappointed if I never get to go back to spanky's and get some fried cheese. Um, that'll be pretty tough on me. So with that said, uh, Carlos, uh, where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Twitter at C-M-S-I-L-V-S and Victor A-J-R at C-M Silva Jr. on Twitter, or they can also find any articles that I or Don Williams, my colleague writes at Lubbock on, or pardon me, at Lubbockonline.com is the Twitter account, but Lubbockonline.com is the website. At Lubbock online is the Twitter account. And you'll get uh, analysis about some of the guys that we had spoken about candidates wise. He wrote a story about Sonny. Uh, Cumby being a walk-on and now he's the head coach of a football team where it took him, I want to say three to four years to actually earn a starting spot for the Texas Tech football team. So a lot of stuff coming up, obviously you'll have your stuff for Oklahoma and things, but it's going to, like I said, I, I think, I don't know if it's going to get played up that much. I think it's going to be more Texas Tech has fired Matt Wells. I think that's going to really be the thing that sticks with this 24 hour news cycle. But if you could just mention the fact that it's, a pretty cool deal that there's two walk-on quarterbacks that are going to be coaching against each other that earn starting spots. And uh, not only that, but are now at their uh, respective uh, head coaches for two teams that are playing each other this week. I, I, again, I, I think that's kind of a cool deal.
0: No, it's a, it's a really good deal. And um always love those stories. And honestly, man, I just kind of open for, nothing but the, I feel weird saying this, but I generally do like Texas tech just kind of as an outsider. So I I hope the bet for the best for them, just in terms of, uh, what their future holds. Um, because that's, uh, that's always been just kind of a fun program to kind of follow from far, but, uh, Carlos, once again, appreciate you for coming on the podcast and, uh, love all the work that you do over at the Lubbock avalanche journal, um, appreciate you, man. And, uh, hope you, uh, hope, hope, are you coming down to Norman for the game or are you staying in Lubbock?
1: I will be in Lubbock because i got to cover some high school football. That's the, the glue factor of the sports editor at a small uh, local newspaper. So Donald Williams will be covering it for us. Although he is our Texas tech football beat writer for the last 4,000 years, he's covered <laughs> it as long as I've been alive on the search. So that man knows everything. So oh. be Norman this weekend,
0: <laughs> I, I feel, um, I feel like I can relate as the former sports editor for a small town newspaper in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, covering more high school football than I could have ever imagined as a young kid uh, dreaming of being a sports writer. So anyway, man, Carlos, it was good talking to you, man. Same to you, bud. Appreciate it. That does it for today's episode of the eyes on Oklahoma podcast, which if you're not aware is available on all major podcast platforms. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. If you're using the Apple Podcasts app, we would greatly appreciate it if you left a five-star rating and review it. Once again, just helps out the show tremendously, getting the word out about it. So with that said, we uh, that concludes this week's podcast. And we'll be back next week uh, for for a bi-week episode of sorts. But until then, I appreciate all of you. My name's Joe Bettner. And until next time, y'all have a great weekend.